Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Roth. Ahoy, friends. Welcome back to Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday Fallout for Season 12, Episode 50, Lois Robbins. Last week on the Friday Fallout, I asked the question, who the hell is Lois Robbins? And this week we heard from Lois herself. This was a very telling interview, and after a quick break, Bob, Janet, and I are going to dive into this interview here on the Friday Fallout for our 50th episode of this season. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Say goodbye to the dish and hello to Skystream, the new way to get Sky over Wi-Fi. So you can get unmissable Sky shows like The Last of Us and Succession, as well as Netflix and Discovery Plus, and loads more, all in one subscription for £26 a month. Oh, and next day delivery with no upfront fee. Skystream. TV simplified. Head to sky.com. Requires Skystream and broadband minimum speed 10 megabits per second. 18 month minimum term. Cut off times apply for next day delivery. Excludes bank holiday. 18 plus terms apply. All right, what's up, everybody? I know that you didn't know I was gone uh, because we didn't miss an episode, but I just got back from my assignment. Happy to be back in the studio here with Zach and Janet on the Zoom. And we're here to talk about the. The Lois Robbins uh, interview and the content that I had out before that. So uh, first things first, did you – because I had a, a kind of visceral reaction to this interview when I heard it. And especially because I've, I've met Lois. I've interviewed Lois personally and I've heard like her side of how all of this went down. I, I mean, I'll, I'll start with Zach. Zach, what did, what, what did you think of the interview? Um, there was a lot there. It was a lot to digest. I'm happy that we got to hear it all. And I'm I'm happy you reached out to Lois the way you said you did. And, and she gave her blessing to actually play the interview. But the thing that jumped out to me is, is it's two interviewers. Am I correct? That, yes. That are throughout the interview. Vargas and Bodmer. And, and I believe it's when Bodmer jumps in later in the interview. I mean, just absolutely made me sick to my stomach immediately. The, the attitude he has, the way he jumps in, the way he continues to push the, the fact that he showed her the, the photo. I don't think this is necessary for her. You know, and there, there's so much there that really was upsetting. Literally says no one should have to see that. You're right. So why did you show it to her? Yeah, we had a lot of reaction from that from the listeners. And then the the little snippet at the end. I mean, I, I'm sure we have a lot of this too, but the little snippet at the end when they're like done recording, but they continue to record. Mm-hmm. And his attitude, I mean, it 
It was very disheartening to hear. It well, I know we're going to get probably into some of that stuff, so I'll, I'll wait. But Janet, what what were your thoughts? I got to be honest with you. I'm going to use someone else's comment to tell you how I felt about the episode. That's how much I loved the comments that we got from our follow up today from Facebook. I want to I'm, I'm just going to say um, Bridget, but I love the spelling of Bridget's name, says big respect for Lois for standing up for herself, her friend's privacy. I'm not giving you her cell phone number and asking relevant questions. She did not seem intimidated, but maintained a respectful tone. She answered their questions fully and stayed true to people she called friends. I'm impressed with her clear boundaries and her honest ownership. Only her business. I couldn't agree more. Obviously, that's not a response to the entirety of the interview and what I thought about the the interviewers, but I want to give a huge shout out to Lois as well. I thought she handled that interview supremely well, considering what was being thrown at her from the very beginning. She did. And I was, as I mentioned in the episode, like I was torn about, you know, her talk about the the brief relationship she had with with Robert because it was so and and those were things that were really are really difficult on me when I'm trying to decide what to do, because I don't want it to look like I'm trying to hide something to protect Robert. But, you know, Lois has nothing, you know, like for her to have that information out there. And I just I. I just I just want to just say very clearly how impressed I am with her. I reached out to her and and you know told her you know I, this is what's coming up next, but this is in there and I don't really know what to do about it. What does she think? And she told me that she's been listening along, and after hearing Jeremy, she knew that she was probably next. And she said it is very personal to have that stuff out there, but what I want is for the full truth to be out there. And if that means that some of my personal business gets put out there, then so be it. Play it. So, so I just want to, I just want to say how much, how much respect I have for her for that to, to be, because I wouldn't, I, I, I would, I probably wouldn't have shared it and yeah. it would have been a tricky mm. thing. And people would have, yeah. people, people certainly would have come and, and said, you know, why didn't you share that? You didn't want people to know this stuff about Robert, which in my opinion, kind of cuts the other way. It kind of shows kind of exactly what I thought what was, you know, it, it leans toward the idea of what I think probably was going on there, which was that Robert was trying to have a little hookup with, uh, with Becky, uh, Maybe. and that kind of supports that. And and I don't know if that's Maybe true not. or not, but that's the kind of the way that I see things kind of shaken out. That's why you know once Christian was going, kind of the things got kind of foiled and they didn't go that route. But anyway, um, big respect to Lois. And I get why she felt, you know, she uses the term that their apartment was raided. Because it sounds like the search warrant was executed without them being there. And it sounds like they came home. The way that she explained it is they came home to the, the apartment a mess, which would make it feel like your home got raided. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, more so than, you know, typically when you hear about a search warrant being executed, you know, there, there's people there, they know what's going on. But if you just come home and your apartment's flipped and there's a note on the table, you definitely feel like it's been raided. Yeah. Well, I know people who have had search warrants uh, issued and they also felt like it was right. They were being raided while they were there. So mm-hmm. yeah. it depends on the conduct of the police. I think it's probably a terrifying experience. Mm-hmm. However, like official and respectful, it's you know, said to be or claimed to be, that's, I just can't even imagine going through that. It's makes me like stressed out and makes my stomach hurt to even think about. So. Yeah. And and I think now that you guys heard that, you'll see why I'm sure you saw why when I said last week that I'm pretty sure Jeremy in his first call did overhear something. And I think the word rated is probably some of the reason when when I, when I heard Lois saying that, I'm like, well, she probably did have that conversation and he overheard it, uh, which, which, which makes sense because that's a, it's a particular choice of words. 
Well, and the the idea that he knew that it was pertaining to that murder, I mean, doesn't seem alarming to me either because what else do they have going on in their lives? If, yeah. if, if Christian is a roommate there and that is going on and their house is, has a search warrant issued on it, then yeah, you would know what it's going on. Like, it's not like they just magically were selling drugs and no one knew about it. Like, right. clearly it's about this case. Yeah. All right. With that, let's go ahead and get into the questions. Great. I'm going to start with Sandy. Another kind of overview, uh, some some different thoughts about the interview. Uh, Sandy says, aside from being bothered by the tone and tenor of this interview, I thought there were some tells and concerns. Are investigators supposed to inform folks they are interviewing that specific people inside the circle? I understand terms like person of interest or even suspect, but my understanding is these terms meet specific criteria, which includes how and to whom they can be referred. I also thought a huge tell was when whichever officer said that they aren't the type of investigators to throw someone into the circle and then make them fit, even refer to this type of behavior as disgusting, when in fact that is exactly what they were doing, and I think they knew darn well that they were. This was total intentional deflection. Yeah, I mean, in general, my opinion of the interview techniques here are terrible. I mean, this is how this is the stuff how wrongful convictions happen. I, I'm going to try to avoid referencing the entire episode back to the non-sad case, but it's the same thing, right? So they've decided somebody's guilty, and then they go interview people and intentionally put in their minds that someone is guilty while interviewing them. It's a it's a terrible tactic to get. Just to get to the to the truth, and there was their bias. Someone in the YouTube chat said, "I learned more about uh, Bodmer and Vargas as, as investigators during this episode than he did anything about Robert or Christian." And I feel the same way. You see, like these guys, and, and you have to understand these 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 cold case units have to close cold cases to justify their existence. They are a line item on a budget where you know there's certain money set aside for a unit just to solve cold cases. And if they're not solving cold cases, then that line item will go away if they're not. And so, and it's very obvious, they're just trying to find something to get a conviction here. Which is so troubling because as a person who, you know, lost someone who was a victim of a crime, uh, obviously the family are victims as well. That's the best news in the world to find out that there's a cold case investigator that's been assigned to your case. And it gives you so much hope. And I'm sure that, you know, most people conduct their business with integrity. <laughs> I want to believe that. I hope that's largely true because you want it to be great news. I mean, Bob, you know, we have someone in our family who was killed and mm-hmm. it's all we want is for them to assign a cold case team that is just right. going to look at everything afresh and make something. Nobody wants them to arrest the wrong person. <laughs> you know, we want yeah. we, we want that. It, sh- it should still have the same level of integrity as every ex- every other expectation was, was like, yeah, we have the money for this. It doesn't always mean we're going to be able to solve the cases, but it's very important for us to have this line item so that we can revisit things because investigators are dealing with such an inflow of cases all the time that they stop having any time at all to look back at anything old. Yeah, it would be nice if it worked that way. And I'm sure it does in some places, but especially in a lot of these like bigger city areas where there's a lot of politics going on and there's a, you know, there, there's a lot of positioning to move up the ranks and things like that that's we just see it all the time corners get cut now on the good side of that where uh we've discussed in um some other cases when you have like conviction integrity units that works in the favor of the wrongfully convicted because it's the same thing conviction integrity units aren't worth the money unless they're overturning convictions that's their purpose so 
that's when you start to see DAs that are, you know, or, or ADAs that are actually willing to work with people um, that are convicted for DNA testing and stuff like that because they want to get overturned convictions. Otherwise, they don't need to exist and they won't exist if, if time goes on. Right. Uh, okay. Next, I want to say uh, this is a quick question from Shelly. Uh, I caught this this morning as I was getting ready. Uh, so it's a little out of order. But Shelly says, not necessarily related to this specific episode, but just a general question. With all the various players in this case and their ties to local law enforcement, did the defense ever try to get the trial moved to a different jurisdiction? I don't know if we've ever talked about that, have we? I believe, yes. I've tried, I've, I've, I've had this discussion with family members of the defendants. I better get back to you because because my and my, my memory is telling me yes they wanted to move it and they weren't able to I think it was moved like courtrooms like it was like in La Quinta in, instead of being in Riverside or something like that I don't remember exactly how how all that shook out but I believe there was a request to move it okay uh, so let's talk a little bit about this idea of Lois being lied to about some kind of identity theft which is you mentioned at the beginning. Uh, I don't know if you have more information on that. Anna says, did I hear correctly? The police told Lois her identity had been stolen to get her into the station. Why lie to ask her to come in? It was because they were monitoring the phones and they were hoping that someone would slip up. Like Lynn had the same question. Why? I I don't know. And And she mentioned that to me in the interview I did with her. And then in the transcript of the phone call where she called Christian afterwards, she mentioned she's like, yeah, they told me that I was like a victim of identity theft or it could have maybe had been like she was, or she thought she was, I don't, I don't know. And she had called the police about it, but she says that when I got there, they told me you're not a victim, but we want to talk to you about something else. And then they, and then they took her mm-hmm. to an interrogation room and had this, I don't know why they did that instead of just asking mm-hmm. her to come in and talk about this case. Maybe it's because they didn't want her to call uh, Jackie and Christian to find out what's going on or to get an attorney. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's all I could think of is that it was easier for them once they had her there and she was isolated then to take her in to do the interview. Okay. Yeah. Cause Angie was like, did we miss the part where they explained that that, you know, hadn't actually happened because they weren't, that wasn't in a recording that we heard. Right. Okay. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sarah says, first, I just want to commend Bob for giving Lois the agency over releasing her interview, given some of those personal details. Uh, also appreciate Lois not handing out Jackie's number and asking questions about what from her interview she will have access to. Very smart lady. Uh, yes. And asking those questions like, will I be able to access this information later? Mm-hmm. I thought that was also very, I totally agree with you, Sarah. Can we talk about that last little bit of the recording after the interview? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's come back to that because I want to uh, shout out James, Leah, Robin, Sarah, and then Sarah and Cybele. Uh They showed Lois a picture 
was it a crime scene picture of Becky? Can we absolutely confirm that? And then Robin even said, like, do do we know what pictures were shown or what picture was shown? I don't know exactly what picture, but I know from talking to Lois that they were crime scene photos. And I believe they were photos of Becky, like of Becky's body. I don't I don't know if it was her in the wheelbarrow or if it was her on the autopsy table. But, yeah, they, they definitely showed her crime scene photos of Becky's body to try to shock her to try to tell you well and you, and you heard the tone of it it is it, J- janet you said it when we were in the in the pre-show where they were you know they they tried to make her feel like this is this is terrible that this happened and it's your fault that we're not catching anybody if you don't if because you're not telling us anything that we want to that we want to hear um and yeah and they use that tactic it was just, and like i said i believe it was bodmer's voice i heard who who said like no one should have to see pictures like that and all i could think is yeah no shit. No one should. So why did you do that? She has no connection to this crime whatsoever. Like Christian didn't even live there at their apartment at the time. And to take her and do that to her was was horrible. She didn't even know Becky. She didn't know who she was. Yeah, it's also just it's 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 hard because it's coming on the heels of the interview that we have now heard uh, the bonus interview with Jeremy um, mm-hmm. and, you know, the conversations that we've had about Jeremy in general and how hard of a fit it seems like to have any of that really make a ton of sense it just feels like pushing a lot for a piece of jeremy's uh claims that are kind of minor like you know what i mean like they're the connection to her is really about the anonymous call which is such a vague piece of information it just seems like a lot to do to someone who the person that you've talked to who says, you know, this is this is how I know all this information. Part of it is overhearing her saying something about a raid. And then it turns into them being like, it's basically your fault that no one has been caught for this crime. Just yeah. like, ooh, that's because up to that point, she just doesn't seem I don't you know, I don't know. I can't tell when someone's lying. I know we've talked about that. Dr. Shiloh's talked about that. But it just doesn't seem like she's being a difficult interview or you know, duplicitous or aggressive or, you know, combative. It just seems so cooperative to then turn it into like, you know, it's understandable that you're a coward, but maybe now's the time for you not to be that coward. (laughs) Like, yeah. And keep in mind the timing of this. I don't know if I laid this out, but this this was like six months after the anonymous phone call. call. This interview was in 2012. It was it was years before the interview with Jeremy Witt. Oh, I don't know if you said that. If you did, I missed I don't, I don't that know completely. If I did either. Yeah, I didn't know where this fit into the chronology. I assumed it fit in after they had found Jeremy. No. Oh. As we mentioned last week, I think that she knew, or I think they knew who it was. So, the, so I know that what they were doing at one point, where they were showing her pictures. They were showing her pictures of everybody that worked there, and that's where you hear. Who's that? Oh, that's Jackie. Yep, that's Robert. Yep, mm. that's so and so. And then they showed her pictures of Jeremy Witt and some other people, and that's what she, she's like. I I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that that is. That that part of it. But so they had that. So we know at this point they had already gone through the process of identifying everyone who worked there at the time. And my guess is they also knew who had the military background, who was head of security. You know, who mm. the, like. I think they knew who Jeremy Witt was at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I I think so. But all he told them was he overheard this conversation. And so 
I think their their plan here was get her to tell us more. Like, right. oh yeah, I know from talking to Jackie and Christian, yeah, he did it. That's what I think. That's what they were hoping for. They knew at this point that wit, the wit was worthless because all he did was overhear a conversation. Right. So they were trying. The reason they were pushing her is because they were hoping that she would be the one to mm-hmm. say, "Oh well, he confessed," or "I knew he had that." Once she didn't, it gets right. You'll notice on the reports, it still says on the reports that are posted on our website that the case was still suspended at this time. Yeah. And it wasn't and, and then once they once they finally brought the charges, the charges were dropped, twenty sixteen rolls around, that's when they go and contact Wit, have that unrecorded phone call or, or unrecorded conversation with him. Then he comes out and is like, Nope, now I didn't just overhear them talking about the raid. Christian confessed to me. And then they rearrested him three days later and took him to trial. Yeah. Shout out to Susan P. in the chat who says, I try so, so hard to put law enforcement's actions into perspective and think, would this seem okay if Robert and Christian were actually guilty? I think that's a great place to be, great place to try to have your mindset and your giving of the benefit of the doubt. It's still a hard lesson. Yeah. And and, and to me, the answer is no. Like, they're, they're, they're trying to invoke an emotional response to get somebody to say what they want them to say. And that's not the way that you interview people. Yeah. Well, especially so far outside on the outskirts of this group of people, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not even this is not even a secondary witness. This is a tertiary witness that's just way out there that they're trying to get something out of. It's it's a little yeah. alarming. And, and on that note, I want somebody earlier in the chat said something like, I think we're just we're wasting our time with these teenagers. We need to move on. I, I just want you guys to know, like, we're, yeah, we're, we're right now we're addressing every element of the state's case and we are almost done with it. We are almost done with the state's case. So there, it, we're not focusing on teenagers right now because I think the teenagers are relevant. We're focusing on them because that's what was used to convict Robert and Christian at trial. Oh, yeah. I took that YouTube comment to mean it just reinforces how much yeah. they were focusing on the teenagers and continue to try to, like, get blood from a stone, so to speak. Yeah. Um, So let's go back to what Sarah was also talking about with this last little bit of the recording after the interview, the attitude there. And what does it matter whether or not Christian was shot by friendly fire? He was shot in combat regardless of where the bullet came from. So let's talk about the, you know, I'm sure many of us had that same reaction of, wow, we're really listening to a lot of scratching and, and scuffle here. This better pay off. Why is Bob playing this? Why is Bob playing all of this stuff that he usually cuts out and says is, you know, annoying and not worth listening to? And then we hear this little bit of stuff at the end. Um, Bob, can you recap that for us and then talk about your feelings about it? Yeah, I, 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 you're exactly right. I decided to suffer, let you guys suffer through it because I wanted you to hear that attitude from Bodmer. And there, there's a couple things because you, you hear it with Jeremy Witt too. I think, you know, some people are like, what's Witt's motivation? What's, I, I think part of his motivation is I think that Witt is a narcissist and he doesn't like that Christian's being held up as a, a hero, and he's not. And I think that plays into his irritation with with Christian. I think, and Bodmer is also an army vet, by the way, hmm. for, from what I picked up from context, which is the same as Christian. To me, Bodmer is trying to justify his bad behavior. Is 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 what I hear when he when he's saying that stuff because. This is a fellow army army vet. He is pulling some bullshit to try to to try to close this case. I think he probably feels a little guilty about that, and so he's trying to. To me, it sounds like he's trying to justify. He's like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, he was shot, but 
It could have been friendly fire. It's probably nothing. It was probably no big deal. He's not a hero or anything. Like we shouldn't feel bad about doing this to this guy because he's not he's not a hero. It was mm-hmm. probably just friendly fire. Nicole in the chat says exactly that that they didn't want to paint him their bad guy as a hero. Right. And and, and again, that was not meant for other people's ears. Right. So it wasn't even like they didn't want to paint him to the rest of the world as a bad guy. I think in his own mind, he couldn't he couldn't reconcile his and I, I don't know if uh if shiloh is still in the chat but if she is i'm curious what she has to say about this but to me it was like he couldn't reconcile in his mind that he's 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 trying so hard to pin this guy this crime on this kid this guy while he's also a war hero in the mm-hmm. same branch of the service he was in so he's he's like trying it seems to me he's trying to explain that away does that make sense mm-hmm Soledad in the chat says, is Bodmer the same as Sergeant Major Ryan T. Bodmer? He was PSYOPs. Uh, I don't know. could be. I mean, it is Ryan Bodmer, so it very well could be. Interesting. Uh, yeah. The, the moment where, you know, we wear uh, body mics on doing TV stuff. And by the way, I want to say right now, this is the saddest comparison to Erica's smarts about DNA. That I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I have Here's your expertise. <laughs> As an actress, we wear body mics, but that just felt so familiar to me because they keep the mics on and you forget you're wearing a mic. And so oh, yeah. in between scenes, sometimes people will be like shit talking someone, pardon the uh, curse word, but they'll shit talk someone and be like, Oh shit! I'm still miked, and like you'll hear this like pushing of the mic. Like you'll hear something like, like I hope no one heard that. And so it felt so familiar to me at the end, where he was like, "Yeah, this guy's a real uh, standby." And yeah. then the thing gets turned off. Like, Two things reminds me of the Jinx, where yeah. he, where he yes. confesses. Yeah. No, no, let's leave it about my special offering I was able to bring to this conversation. <laughs> and and secondly, uh, that is the same Bodmer. It is. Yes, it is the same Bodmer. Oh yeah. Yep. So that is the same one. But yeah, I know exactly. And there's always like the, the showrunner that you're talking shit about is yeah. sitting over in Video Village yeah. with a yeah. with a headphone in listening. Yeah. Just that moment of recognition where he's like, "Oh, my mic's on, and I'm being. I'm. This is not good. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and shut this off, and then I can continue whatever like shitty thing I was saying." I always cut the opposite way. I, I always like to mess with the sound guys when I go to the bathroom between takes when we do stuff, and <laughs> I talk to Mike. Hey, Mariel. I'm going pee right now. Do you hear me? Are you listening? <laughs> I'll come out and I have the headphones around the you bastard. <laughs> okay, moving on. Let's talk about the wiretap. Teresa says, at what point did Robert and Christian learn they were wiretapped? Can you confirm what dates the wiretaps covered? I will have to go back and check on the dates. I think there was 600 plus hours of of wiretaps. Um I don't have the audio of those, but there's 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 transcripts, and and I think somebody had asked if I could share the the tape or the transcript of, of her call with Christian. I will put the transcript of that up because okay. it, it's because you'll see because they, they were it's almost like they prodded her and then and then immediately they go back and they're listening to the tap to see and and she does call him, but she's calling him going, "What the hell? They yeah. brought me in here to do this." And she's like, she doesn't know her name. And she's even like, ah, oh, what the fuck is that? I think the transcript says she's like, what the fuck is her name? Uh, Rebecca or something. Yeah. But they were doing this. But th- th- there's nothing there. There's, yeah. there's, there's, I think somebody said 900 hours. I thought I saw 600 hours. Mm-hmm. It was over years that mm-hmm. they were tapping their phone, their phones. And there's conversations between Robert and Christian, between, you know, Christian and Jackie, between, there's all these calls. Isn't there like that rule where you have to, it has to, st- sound like it could be about something and then you have to stop listening yes 
Yeah. So they're there. And I think that's mentioned in there that, that there's like the number of hours that they recorded. And then there's some of the, you know, it, it, within so many seconds, they have to like, if it's not about this, they have to stop listening. Yeah. And, and, and if it's, and if they're talking anything about this, it could be relevant. They can keep listening and keep recording and they got nothing out of any of it. And so when they, when they talked to Lois, they, they potentially were like, well, if nothing else, Maybe we just wiggled the wire or whatever that expression is that I pretend to have learned from the show The Wire, where it's yeah. like it will do something to like spice up what we might hear over mm-hmm. the phones. Um, OK, got it. Yeah. Matt had asked about um, hearing the audio or, or reading the transcript from between Lois and Christian. Also, I think it's amazing that uh, the person that Christian confessed to thought his name was Kristen. So that's cool. They were obviously very tight because yeah, right. he just keeps calling him Kristen. Yep, that's something I hadn't caught. So I, that just occurred to me when you said that, that tells you even more where his information was coming from. Yeah. His name is spelled Kristen. Yes. So on the documents the police had. Yes. That they may have been showing him or telling yeah. him. Yeah. It says Kristen, but yeah. that's not how he pronounces it. He was super on the inside of this. Jeremy was super on the inside of this with Kristen, his friend. But it, but it's bigger than that because what I've always said, like when information like comes out again, God damn it, Jay Wilds in the like the phone records, like if you can trace. It, so let's go to do another one, season three with um the uh, a necklace, uh, Keow Gove's necklace, our, yeah. our, our season three with it was. You can see here the police think the necklace is missing, and then this next interview. It's oh uh, the the her husband says Ken says that it was stolen, and then here's where the police found out oh shit it's still there and the next so like when you can track information and it's where its source is that tells you the police are feeding information to be oh and that's what it was it was it was Jesse's mom when they had interviewed Ken Gove and Ken Gove said her necklace was missing then they interviewed Je- uh, Jesse's mom. And his mom says, yeah, he came back and he told me and he had stole this necklace and this is what it looked like. And mm-hmm. then they interview Ken again and he's like, oh, I found her necklace. Then you go back and all of a sudden the necklace wasn't part of the narrative anymore. Ooh, I forgot about that. Ooh, that was so weaselly and awful. Yeah. And so that's the same thing like this. You can source where the information comes from. The documents that the cold case investigators who had never talked to Christian, their documents say Kristen which is probably how they pronounced it because that's what it looks like and they had never spoke to him. They're only looking at documents and their big witness who knew him personally is pronouncing it the way the officers right. would have been pronouncing it. I can't it. remember. I, 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 yes, that makes sense. I can't remember if the officers also said his name that way. They may have said it right. So just a warning because I can't remember. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So anyway, back to Kate says, um, respect not wanting to play those personal conversations. Um, was any of it used during trial, uh, even referred to in opening or closing statements, anything like that? Of Lois's interview? Mm-hmm. No, because there's nothing there. Got it. And none of, and, and the, and the, ta- the wiretap calls, there's nothing there that was used in trial. No. Yeah. 
Kate also asks, uh, are you going to provide or play or read the opening and closing statements just to give the jury's context for their ruling? Yeah, when we wrap things up, and I should say, like, we're getting close. I don't mean close like next week, but we're getting closer to the end of this because we're getting to there's one more element of the state's case that we need to cover that I probably won't cover this year. As you guys know, I was out of town. I just got back into town. It's Wednesday. So I think I'm going to there's, – there's another element of the state's case that wasn't used at trial. We'll probably do this week just so I can get that out and then get my – because I need to do some research for the other one. So we had a couple more elements of the state's case to cover. We've got some alternate suspects that we need to cover. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm going to go through the opening closing statements. Um, I have invited, as we do every season, someone who believes they're guilty to come on and have a discussion so everybody can hear that I don't want to call it a debate, but hear that d- discussion between the two um, to hear kind of both perspectives of it, and then that'll be we'll be wrapping things up. You know, we've 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 found a lot of stuff that we've turned over to the attorneys to work on the case. So we're so that stuff. Yes, I will get to, but also just to give you a heads up that the season is approaching its end. Okay, I don't know how I feel about that. That's bit, that's that's hard in a way. It always is at the at the end of the season because I always I when you get to the point for me it's always very difficult to where I get so attached to the case and so connected to the file and I spend every single day reading in this file and working on it yeah and then you get to the point where you're like okay well what where can we still put out useful episodes and information on it and when is it time to pass the baton off to the attorneys and and move to the next one and it's it's. That's a, that's always difficult for me at the end of when we, we start approaching the end of every season. Yeah. Okay. Danielle says, related to Jeremy Witt's statement, what was the actual timeline with respect to the search warrant being executed on Lois Jackie and Christian's apartment and Christian leaving for the military? Uh, it was about six months. I, the date off the top, it was in the fall of 2007 when the search warrant was, I, 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 it might have been September or October. Someone in the chat might tell us ex- exactly when, but it was it was in the fall of 2007, and he left for the for boot camp. If we go back to his letters. It was like I think February, end of February 2008 is when he left. So it wasn't as as Wit said in his initial call that that it was. I overheard the conversation. It had the search had just happened, and two weeks later he was gone. That's not true. It was it was it was months later. Well, that conversation, the the Jeremy bonus interview was, I mean, it's a it's a it's a very interesting listen, and we obviously didn't talk much about it last week, but boy, it feels like just like you said, like he, they're trying so hard to make things fit, and they keep having to backpedal on stuff because I, mm-hmm. you know, at some point Jeremy's like, yeah, this happened, this happened, then this happened, then of course I I quit right after that, so blah blah blah, and then as they're trying to tease out and like really figure out timing and stuff. Like Bodmer has to be like, so, I mean, if you if you quit in April, probably probably that thing you said about you quit right afterwards, like that's that's probably not going to work because uh, that doesn't right. make sense with when Christian left. So, uh, like, there's just a lot of like, hmm, it's OK if you don't remember. It's OK if you don't remember. It would help me if it was around this time. So it's not helpful. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just feels like ugh. there's very much a feeling of trying to fit a square peg into a round round hole during that. Uh, Amy asked in the chat if this is the first time we've had a case so soon after conviction. Uh, this the the soonest one we had was Sandy Melgar's. We so were nice. like Sandy hadn't even filed her direct appeal yet, but this is ve- the, other than that. Yeah, usually we're dealing with someone that's been in for a very long time, and they had already 
maybe taken a shot at habeas and they were, were trying to find new evidence. In this case, they're still working on their initial habeas, their their proverbial bite at the apple right now. So it's the timing of this is great for us to be going through and finding all this information. Okay. And Teresa said it was October 7th, 2007, when the search happened. Thanks, Teresa. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Teresa. Same Teresa. Uh, we love you, Teresa. Did the defense hear the anonymous call from Jeremy Witt? Curious if there was any questions about why his story morphed. Yeah, they heard it. And and they in the if you look in the pretrial uh, hearing the transcript that's posted, the one that was read into the trial, you hear they're trying to cross-examine him about that. So, yeah, they they were trying to shoot holes in it. And they and you heard that in the interview. It's funny because Bodmer in that interview uses his words. So, for example, he says that. Um, God, like he didn't want to put all his cards on the table and and he tries in, in the manner which like you were just discussing Janet where Bodmer's like well and Jeremy in that first in, in when you in that call you didn't tell us about the confession because well you said right then you didn't want to put all your cards on the table right and he's like yeah yeah exactly I didn't want to put all my cards on the table but when you go read the transcript it's not what he said at all he said Christian didn't tell him about what happened because he thought Christian didn't want to put all his cards on the table. But then they used that piece and twisted it around to where it was Jeremy. So that's why, you know, that's how they tried to explain it away. Well, yeah, I knew it then, but I didn't want to put all my cards on the table. But when you read the transcript, that's not what he said. He yeah. very specifically said Christian gave him no more information because he thinks Christian didn't want to put all his cards on the table. Yeah. Well, they used it. Mary Elizabeth wants to know if we'll hear more from Lois, uh, and Teresa wants to know if Lois testified at the trial. She did not testify at the trial. I've got a bunch of interviews that I'm trying to decide when to play, and I may put them out as bonus episodes. I, I, I talked about this months ago. When I first started the case, my first trip to California, uh, as I was getting the case files, the first thing that I did is I went and interviewed a bunch of the defendant's family members that you know had been affected by all this stuff. You heard uh, Jana, who's Christian's mm -hmm. mother. You heard that interview. And a lot of them, they're, they're very emotional as they talk about everything they were going through. But then I decided, well, I don't want to I, I don't want to sway anybody or bias anybody by hearing that stuff up front. So I still have those. And the, and the interview I did with Lois, I did with Lois and Jackie together when they, they talk about their their whole experience. So at some point, I want to get those out to you guys so you'll hear more from Lois. I'm just not sure when or how to put it. And it kind of goes back to, too, when I'm trying to decide when to wrap the season up. I don't want to just start. I don't I don't ever want to get to the point where we're putting out content for the sake of putting out content. If it's not going to move the case forward, then I don't want to waste everybody's time on it. And these are things that are not going to move the case forward. But they're also stuff I want you to hear. So I may put them out as like bonuses and stuff like that. Well, whatever you do, I hope you do. I mean, I to me, that is still really important, it, whether it moves the case directly forward or not. You know, you also have, uh, you know, tens of thousands of listeners more than that who have all spent a year on this and who are invested as well and mm -hmm. want to hear from people who are affected by it and the people who are still fighting this fight. So I think we'll all be very happy for you to to share anything like that. Yeah. And, and there's there are I have you could probably guess who, Janet, but I have a I have a particular person in mind that I have not interviewed yet that I want to interview to close out the season who I think very perfectly captures what all of you, the listeners, the work you've done 
means to them and what and what you've done for their for their family by by helping and being a part of this along the way. So that for sure will be coming at the end of the season. Cool. Teresa said, did these cold case or new investigators uncover and pursue any new line of inquiry when they picked up the case? Jeremy Witt. That was it. There, well, and there's the one other element that I'm going to cover probably next week, but it's still very far removed from anything actual, you know, resembling actual evidence. But yeah, the 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 only thing that changed from twenty from from 2006 through the 2014 arrest and the dropping the charges, the only thing that changed was they got Jeremy Witt to say that he overheard a confession. That was it. That was the only new evidence they found, which was a big deal yeah it well it, they got convicted yeah so and there's people that have said like i don't think the jury really thought about it really but it's like well they convicted him with yeah. no evidence so it yeah. must have meant something to him yeah megan says did bodmer know ron friedley i don't know I, I i don't know that i would assume yes because they were they both worked at the sheriff's department at the same time um but i, I don't know specifically if they knew each other that's all i got there was some other great stuff, um, but I think we sort of touched on it already. Zach, do you have anything you want to add? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, then we will we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, so I think as I've literally, as I just got back into town and I'm trying to like wrap my brain around continuing forward. I think what we're going to, what I'm going to do for this week is because there's been a lot of talk about it as, as certain people have kind of grasping at straws for something that's left to make Robert and Christian look guilty. Um, there was an interview that was Becky's cousin and she kind of came into the spotlight because she interviewed on some of the TV stuff on, on news articles it was crime watch or the first 48 or something mm-hmm. like that. And had what appeared to be some pretty damning information about Robert and Robert and Christian. It was not used at trial for good reason, mm-hmm. but that's something that I can get together. Cause I have literally I have 24 hours to get this thing t- together so I, I think we'll put that out for, for this week, and then next week we're going to cover the last element of the state's case that was used at trial against Robert and Christian. So that's all that we have coming up in these next couple of weeks. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and staying engaged. And believe me, you're, the work that you guys – for those of you that are out there, which are tens of thousands of you that have – committed to actually looking at this case and trying to find the truth and and have spent the time digging through and reading the documents it is more meaningful than you can ever realize not only to the three of us sitting here but particularly to the families and the defendants it means a lot and i just want to just remind you all of, of how appreciative we are and how proud i am to be a part of this group of all of you that are that are doing this work and we're going to continue doing this work not going to share it yet, but but season thirteen is going to be super interesting, oh. and we're going to need all of your help. And that's going to be coming once this is, season twelve is over. I'm rambling a little bit. I didn't plan to talk about any of this. I just I'm just reading the YouTube. <laughs> I was just reading the YouTube chat, and I just I just thought, man, these there's so many good people know, that are helping, and it just makes With me so happy. Great questions you know, and to see the thoughts. people that are yeah. that that are so engaged and trying to help. So it's phenomenal. With that being said, now we will end the show, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. Thanks, everybody. Truth and Justice.
NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink, and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by me, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnik, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at truthjusticepod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Barney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24/7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. I started collecting Pez. I started collecting Pez. Bingo. Oh, I forgot to tell everybody that I'm collecting Pez. I hate politics. God damn it. Why are you always right? It's like all jacuzzis are hot tubs, but not all hot all tubs. All Shriners are, are Masons, huh. but not all Masons are Shriners. Okay. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about Fight Club. That's the first for the Fight Club. Don't talk about Fight Club. Everything we have involves a, like a compass and uh, some other math tools. Meet me. Yeah. And they got a dude that wears a hat with Elkhorns on it. Mm-hmm.